There are things that take energy from you. Um, you know, for me personally, it was always having, you know, it was being raised uh, in a single household by a single mother, right? There was always this aversion and friction to finance. There was always this feeling of feeling like I was going to go broke every moment of the day, even though that wasn't really my reality. I just had that hardwired. So it's thinking beyond, hey, I want to make more money than my parents made. It's, hey, I want to treat the next generation better than my parents treated me and also set them up better than potentially my parents treated me. Now, not everyone has those issues, right? But I would I would argue that we all have something that we can improve for the next generation. And that's really what that is a call to. Welcome to Pinnacle Code, where we spotlight excellence in the culture. I'm your host, Ben Arthur. Super excited to be joined by my guy, Khalil Dumas. He is a serial entrepreneur, successful podcaster and business advisor. Uh, he is uh, very well regarded in personal finance circles. In the creator economy, he is the CEO of Unstucked, uh, the Unstucked podcast, which helps people burst through debt and, and establish a, a financial uh, legacy for themselves and, and their family. Khalil, it is so good to see you. It has been several years. How's everything been? Hey, thanks for having me. Everything's been, you know, good. I know the world's a little crazy right now, so uh, yeah. really, really just trying to support community and uh, speak to really smart, bright people like yourself. Well, I appreciate the compliment. And uh, just for, for those of you listening, just so you have some background. So Khalil and I went to college together at the University of Portland. Go in, Pilots. In, yeah, go Pilots. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we went to school together. He was uh, a few years uh, above me, but uh, we, we did have uh, some some mutual friends and always got good energy from him. And and honestly, uh, you know, going to school in, in Portland, like the, there weren't a lot of black kids on campus. And I think a lot of us, just kind of yeah. knew of each other and knew each other. And so this is a good brother we, we have on uh, the pod today. Uh, so uh, again, appreciate your time, Khalil, and let's kind of dive in, right? So I know you're uh, from the Bay Area. So I yeah. wanted to ask you, uh, what do we maybe need to understand about uh, your upbringing in Oakland uh, specifically mm -hmm. to understand uh, who you are as an entrepreneur today? Yeah, I appreciate that question. It's a really thoughtful one. Um, you know, growing up, I, I think really your your environment matters. I know everyone, you know, focuses on the city. You know, Oakland is uh, a city that I always say is very much misunderstood, which was a, a piece of the reason why I now live in Portland, because I felt this kind of same energy between cities. They had a lot to offer, but, you know, the media kind of spun its own story about the city. Um, you know, really Oakland and, and, and my family, too, is a story of triumph, a, a story of overcoming mm -hmm. uh, against the odds. And so I've really taken that mentality into every room that I go into, um, not judging a book by its cover, uh, really getting to know individuals, getting to know community uh, before I, you know, put my own biases on it. Um, and so that's really what Oakland has, has done for me. I would I would say more importantly, uh, my parents uh, had a really big influence my dad was an I was an was an entrepreneur you know very much uh be your own boss he said that at nauseam almost like don't work for anyone whereas my mom was like your quintessential more uh traditional uh career climber uh, she was an attorney so it was really great to kind of see those two worlds and I very much have found a nice synergy between the two uh, by again just taking people's stories at face value but also digging a little bit deeper so that's really the big impact that Oakland's had on me. It's It's been very interesting to watch not only Oakland, but now Portland kind of go through its trials, but also come out on the other side. Uh, so so really, again, those, those are some of the lessons I learned from from being from Oakland. I see. 
And, and so I, I've heard on, on like a video or, or two, you say that you always felt like you were maybe destined for, for entrepreneurship or, or you use some kind of wording along yeah. those lines. Is it because of your dad, as, as you said, I, I think you said yeah. he was kind of, uh, he thought that way, had an entrepreneurial brain. Was it because of him? Uh, like what exactly uh, maybe shaped your, your mind in, in that regard? You know, um, he definitely planted the seed of curiosity. Um, but as I got older and, and started to have my own experiences, um, not only in corporate working for big companies like Nike, but also um, scaling and selling startups, really at the end of the day, what we look at right from like a corporate job is like this stability, which I love stability. That was something that is why I kind of started my career in corporate was because you kind of need that stability. You need the ability to have a dependable paycheck so you can pay off debt, so you can save money, so you can right um, have good credit, so you can apply and, and buy homes, right? There's a lot of things that corporate serves. And what I've started to learn through my experience, I've been through a couple layoffs, I've been through right some things that have kind of shown me, you know, maybe why my dad was so adamant about kind of how he approached mm -hmm. it was really at the end of the day, stability is an illusion, um, mm. no matter really where you're at in life. Um, and so I really took that to heart and I thought, okay, well, if this is going to happen, how do I start to learn more about entrepreneurship? Because the big questions that people have, right, are like, how am I going to save for retirement? Uh, how am I going to get healthcare? But also, how am I going to, you know, project and get a stable income that I know is predictable? And so that's really what this journey of entrepreneurship has taught me, how to do all of those things, how to have a self-employed 401k, how to have health insurance through the marketplace so that I can make sure that that's not something that's causing some instability, but also learning how to write contracts and uh, project out income so that I know how much I'm going to make in a given quarter or a given year. So I always say that corporate isn't the answer for everyone. Sometimes the answer for someone is an ideal environment. And I see corporate as very much that if you want that stability, if you want, right, quote unquote stability. But that was the biggest lesson was there really is no stability in corporate or in entrepreneurship. You have to start to really learn how to get comfort, comfortable in instability and trusting yourself through that instability. That's still something that I'm learning today. This is why I have people around me that are constantly making sure that you know, I'm not being the uh, pessimist that I'd like to be, making yeah. sure that we're counting our small victories, making sure that we have a community that supports us. But that's something that I teach my mentees now. You know, when you come in, and I think you remember this even, when you come into the workforce, you're bright-eyed and want to change everything, but you quickly start to learn that it's a little deeper than that. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's wild. Yeah, that's a really, really powerful insight uh, that there is really no stability. It's, I think a lot of that is perception and, and that kind of leads me to yeah what, what i wanted to ask you about how how, how you s started unstuck yeah in the first place as i said it was it's kind of like the mission to help people uh you know get out of debt really start to to build the blueprint the foundation of uh yeah. of, uh, like a financial legacy right and and maybe find some sense of the stability when we know there there, there isn't a, a lot of it but what was maybe the push for you to to really go all in on that was it kind of those experiences as you talk about in corporate where uh you're not getting what what you're looking for like like what exactly was maybe that push to to kind of get into it i love this question and it's a little bit of a long-winded answer but i'm going to try to get it as concise as i can you know unstuck specifically started back during the pandemic when tiktok came out and i remember 
watching a couple of friends go viral, watching a couple of friends who had been, you know, starting their platforms really find a leg, new leg with this new platform. So actually Unstuck started with like, hey, let me make a really terrible TikTok. I didn't, I didn't really say that at the time. That's just kind of how it turned out because I had never made one before. I was like, hey, let me just make a TikTok and just see if I can find some remnants of community, see if there are people out there who feel this gap between their potential and the reality. Because at the end of the day, that's where a lot of the friction happens. People want to travel. People want to pay off debt. People want to save. People want to start a business, right? They want to build that legacy. They want to build that business. They want to find that soul alignment, that financial freedom, that business success, right? And, and they know they can do it, but they just don't know the necessary steps to get there. So within Unstucked, uh, that started in 2020 with just a TikTok, ended up going viral, ended up using that virality to start a podcast, using that podcast to grow my network. And then I started to get all these opportunities. There were a lot of startups out there. I was in the marketing world that right, wanted my marketing expertise, wanted my business acumen through the various startups that I had gone through. So um, I actually was someone for years that you know, worked a job during in a startup. I had equity or you know, I, would, I would be within these startups as a, starting off as like a solutions engineer. And then I became a CPO later on, a chief product officer. Um, but I always had a, a steady income. I always was in corporate, but I also mm -hmm. had a side hustle. I always was working with startups. I always was advising. I always was just trying to find ways to create passive incomes. Um, and so that was very much my environment for years and years, um, you know, working within startups, but also using that time to create content, to uh, build an email list, to start to figure out what a sales funnel is and how to build one of those. Um, and so Actually, to answer your question fully, very recently, I actually just left HFK, which is kind of my last kind of corporate-esque job. Mm. And now I'm actually full-fledged into, uh, I have a startup called One in One. It's a wellness um, habit-forming app that teaches people through gamification how to build better habits. Because at the end of the day, people feel stuck because their habits don't align with their potential. Mm. Um, that's a huge gap, right? If I'm someone that wants to start a business, but uh, I don't have the systems or the support or the habits to building that support of those systems in place. I'm not going to get there. But the good news is it's not rocket science. It just takes consistency. And so through our platform, I define a lot of things or try to redefine a lot of things like what generational wealth means. It's not just money. It's taking the time to, you know, dissolve some of your generational trauma. Um, you know, that's that's a really big piece of the platform. Another thing is learning how to take with take what you know right now and get started for just two minutes. And what that does is that kind of lowers that barrier of entry, that overwhelm to just get you started moving in the direction we know you can go in. And so that's really been my ethos through Unstuck, but also through one in one the wellness habit forming app, which you can find in the Apple store. That is, those are the two kind of ethos that I'm now running. Um, and we'll get into it a little bit deeper, but being a black man within the startup space, you know, we're currently in our pre-seed round trying to raise two and a half million dollars. That's challenging when you walk into these rooms and you're really the only black person in there. So the yeah. challenge has been actually trying to find people with the same ethos and people that look like me to support the mission and to help drive it forward. And Khalil, you, you mentioned uh, generational trauma and, and I, that, that reminded me of something you said in, in a podcast, like I, I did my, my research. I love that. Beforehand, yeah, because that's the journalist in me. And, and you were love on that Adventurous Entrepreneurs podcast recently. Yeah. And, and, and you spoke about that. And I have a quote that you said in there. You said, quote, uh, when we talk about generational wealth, especially in the black community, we're talking about money only. I, I wanted to open up the conversation to generational trauma as well. And the things that we pass on to your to our kids, end quote. 
What, what exactly did you mean by that? When we talk about that maybe generational trauma beyond the, the money stuff that, that we know has historically been an issue, but that trauma aspect of it beyond that, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. I want to just pause for a second to the folks listening. When I said that word, generational trauma, we all have a semblance of what that means for us, whether that's a voice that we've been told that maybe isn't true, uh, whether that is actually, you know, family trauma that maybe we're trying to solve or work through. These are things that are going to naturally impede your potential. There are things that take energy from you. Um, you know, for me personally, it was always having, you know, it was being raised uh, in a single household by a single mother, right? There was always this aversion and friction to finance. Mm -hmm. There was always this feeling of feeling like I was going to go broke every moment of the day, even though that wasn't really my reality. I just had that hardwired. A really interesting statistic is our financial habits and mindsets are set by the age of seven. So if you take yourself back mm -hmm. to seven-year-old, your seven-year-old self, whether it's positive or negative, a lot of those habits are already formed. And so as we mm -hmm. go into adulthood, and we start wondering why the world feels overly negative or overly positive, a lot of that has to do with how we were raised around money, around success, around business. It, it's really interesting when you start to unpack that. So for, you know, black Americans, that's something that I want to call out. You know, uh, we all have that semblance of trauma just because of the way America has kind of shaken out. You know, the 80s and the, the 80s and the 90s still have some riblance of effect on us today if we haven't addressed those generational traumas. So it's thinking beyond, hey, I want to make more money than my parents made. It's, hey, I want to treat the next generation better than my parents treated me and also set them up better than potentially my parents treated me. Now, not everyone has those issues, right? But I would, I would argue that we all have something that we can improve for the next generation. And that's really what that is a call to. And Khalil, you, you speaking of, of your mother, and um, like grow, growing up, like single mother household yeah. type situation, how, how did that maybe leave a lasting imprint on you? And then yeah. I'll, I'll come the second part of that, like how did you maybe learn to start maybe like shifting that mindset in terms of like, as you say, yeah. like habit building to be able to, to create like a different reality? What maybe gave you the, the wherewithal to, to think like that because we, we can both think of like a number of instances where like someone yeah. else is in a situation like you were in, but, but it breaks them. Right. And it yeah. kind of has that generational uh, type impact in, in terms of, you know, their kid and, and then their kid's kid. And, and like, it, it's just kind of this issue for, for forever. Yeah. But, but like, it sounds like you've been able to find the wherewithal to like, have a different mindset and, and what you've done with Unstucked and, and your app and all that, like you, yeah. there's clearly been a mindset, sh mindset, mindset shift. Uh, yeah. What did it take for you to, to get to that point? That's a wonderful question. Um, and it's, it's a culmination of a couple of things. I think first and foremost, from a very young age, I've realized that I'm very much divinely protected, but also very much have always felt like that's was my purpose is to bring clarity to things that are maybe confusing or, or hard to uh, understand. So that's really what I was able to do was, okay, take something that I know majority of people struggle with, which is their finances, which is how they see themselves um, and start to make that a little less scary. For me, it was really trying to bring awareness to these situations through journaling, through just not being afraid to talk about it. 
Um, that's why I love the power of social is just to start a dialogue. Uh, even if you don't know where that dialogue is going to head or who it's going to impact, um, that's been the beauty of it is showing that uh, there needs to be someone out there in the community that's a little bit more brave to say the things that we're all feeling, even if it's not fun to talk about it. Um, and so that's really where I've found my confidence in, in, in talking about these things is getting on shows like this and, and hearing the reception from it. Like, oh my gosh, like this is something that I've been struggling with, but never really had the verbiage to fully understand. That's really what I've heard, especially in the black community when I go speak at schools. And um, also when I just go speak in general is I've always felt this problem. I've always felt this friction internally. Like I mentioned, this gap between my potential and where I am, but I've never really been able to articulate exactly what that is. And so that's as I just time and experience too has really helped me feel confident with with talking about the need to heal generational trauma, for talking about and bringing a light to the things that I needed to improve on and talking about that with my family and friends and not being afraid of being judged for it, um, being that brave person to do that. And so uh, that it's been a it's been a it definitely hasn't been a linear journey and it yeah. still is a spiral staircase. I always say like generational trauma isn't something where you go, okay, I'm solved, done, never have to deal with that again. It's more like a spiral staircase where you constantly see and have these experiences, but you just get better at responding to them in a better way that actually serves you and doesn't hurt you. For sure. And, and you mentioned uh, kind of in starting Unstuck, it was like during the pandemic and, and yeah. in the beginning phases of, of TikTok and whatnot. What about that time served yeah. as like that push to know that you had to like do yeah. unstuck like what was it about yeah. like the the instability of it all the chaos of it all um yeah what 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 about it maybe led to kind of what you're doing now i think a little bit of it was just being forced to be inside all the time mm -hmm. and having to be stuck with the things that uh you maybe were able to before be distracted by work or hanging out with friends or Right. You didn't necessarily have to sit in the house for months on end and wait it out. Um, and so really, at the end of the day, I don't know if you felt like this, but it was like if we were ever going to have an end of the world moment, this was it. <laughs> um, and so it was like, what are we waiting for? Um, and so that's really what it was for me was, what am I waiting for? Um, I am ready. I'm going to use what I know right now and start. And it's wild to look back, you know, almost four years now and see how far I've come. Um, and that's been the most beautiful part. And so that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what gets me excited is I want other people to have that experience. Then I can't tell you how many people I meet in my own community that just are stagnant because they're afraid of growth. They're afraid. They're, this is the thing I always talk about is our imagination is always way more scary than reality. And really, these platforms have helped people just take that one to two steps out of their imagination back into reality so that they can actually start moving again. So I've had to deal with that. I was that person in 2020 on the couch scrolling TikTok, afraid to move, afraid to take action. And so I've used what I learned to, to help others do the same. And, and I, I saw you do, a, I think it was maybe a TV hit in, in Portland or whatever. And, and you said, really, you had started with like $80 uh, yeah. to, to kind of build up Unstucked. And, and what you've been able to do has been really impressive. But, but to, to kind of, go into like what you were saying about like how people just have the fear to like to to, yeah. to, to do what you've done right um like 
quitting corporate like like you're you're officially all in on unstuck now it, it yeah. sounds like you know kind of shedding corporate going all in uh what would you say to those and maybe even especially like for for a lot of people like in the black community who may feel like either like the pressures or the financial yeah. fears the the familial obligations um what would you say to those people who who see what you've done and want to do the same mm. that they want to also take that leap but they feel maybe mm. overwhelmed like by by that burden of, of kind yeah. of that dilemma of kind of they're in that space of where they kind of have somewhat of stability but they know they want more but but they mm. don't quite maybe they don't have that in themselves to like fully go all in it yeah so yeah you say to those people who kind of live in that space right now first off show yourself a ton of grace because i felt the same way and still feel that way um that is that that's first and foremost i think the second thing is just meeting you where you're at and being okay with it so if you're someone that doesn't feel quite ready that's okay there's nothing wrong with that you're not a failure you're doing the right things you have a job be grateful for that. Find gratitude in that. I'd say start with gratitude as well. Something you can do to start to take steps to getting there, if this is something you really want to do, is something that I did, which is go and talk to people who are already doing it. Mm. Learning from them in terms of what did this look like for you? And I'll give you a little bit of an insight into that. What it looked like was starting mm. a side hustle while they were already working a job, starting to take those steps. For me, it was making TikToks. It was building websites. It was networking through my podcast so I could talk to more like-minded individuals who had already done this. It was starting to save money. I have, you know, anywhere from six months to a year of expenses saved so that I could have a little bit of a cushion when I was ready to take that leap. Um, so really my advice is don't beat yourself up if you don't feel ready. That's okay. That's an answer. You're not ready. So start to put some words to that. Why don't you feel ready? Is it your finances? Is it your knowledge? Is it you're not clear on what you want to do? These are all things and next steps for you to take, which is really exciting. I just want to say that like being in that mode is really exciting um, and it's scary too, but it's more exciting than not. Um, I will say recently, a recent development, like I mentioned, was I was thrust into, you know, entrepreneurship through Unstuck and building my app, the one-on-one -on -one app. And it was something that I was preparing to do, but I essentially was laid off and it was like, okay, we're going to do this now. Like I feel ready. And that was such a growth in three or four years ago when I did that. And I was like, I don't feel ready. I don't feel like I can do this. Um, and so I just want to say that that feeling never really goes away. Mm. Um, I would say a, a bonus piece of advice is start to learn about contracts and how contracts are made. Um, contracts have helped me be able to really, like I mentioned in the beginning, project out my income okay if i work i work as a fractional cmo coo as well so like companies hire me to help with their marketing and operations okay if i can get three clients that pay me x amount of money right if i'm making a hundred thousand dollar salary and i can get eighty five hundred a month and eighty five hundred dollars a month in contracts for the next six months to a year but also create a sales pipeline i can start to project and have a steady income as if i was still working a corporate job and so I've taken a lot of those systems and things I learned at corporate because I, at corporate, I had to make contracts. I had to do those things, but you just start to do them for yourself. So that's a little bit more of an advanced piece of advice, but nonetheless, it's an area that was a huge shock to me when I had to first start to do it for myself. Like, what does a creative service agreement look like? What is, what is that, what does that even mean? Um, and so 
that was kind of like a bonus piece that I think not a lot of people talk about, but is what makes the world go round contracts. Yeah. And so kind of going off of that, Khalil, like we, we hear so much about like, I, I think with successful people, like with successful entrepreneurs or whatever, like there's that balance between like what you can do when, and also like delegation to, mm -hmm. in order to, yeah. to like scale and whatnot. And it seems like, uh, you're at a point now where, where you're able to, to scale more, it, it yeah. sounds like, and, um, Absolutely. like, so, so what, what's maybe the balance of like skill acquisition and delegation, uh, yeah. So, like what, what's kind of maybe that, that medium and how, how has that maybe worked for you? So we take that analogy of $8,500 a month. We break that into an hourly rate. The activities you have. So at one point when I first started this, I was doing 19 roles, mm. 19 from sending emails to creating content, to editing videos, to recording podcasts, to building websites, to building a sales funnel to creating internal, right? And my list is going to continue as a ramble, but it's to show you that at first I kind of had to do a little bit of everything. And then I got strategic. I started to think about what activities am I doing that bring in money, networking, writing contracts, continuing to build my skills and learn. So that's where my time should be spent. So video editing, email writing, uh, podcast recording, those are the things to delegate first because those were necess necessities I deemed, right? I need content. I need to have a voice out there in the world. I need PR, but these are things that I can outsource. And so that $8,500 a month starts to tick up, right? Because now I need to pay more people. So now the number is 15 to 20,000 a month because all of a sudden I need to assemble a team. But hopefully through that delegation, I can make more money because I have more time if I'm strategic about it. I will say that is the biggest challenge and the biggest differentiator between corporate and entrepreneurship is I'll have months where I make 30, 40, $50,000. I have months where I make $0. Mm. And are you ready for that kind of volatility in the beginning? Because it is scary. But we talk about the systems we talked about at the beginning. This is why I say and am in the space of, of personal finances. You're really only going to be as good as your personal finances are. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to get you that next level. If you can't maintain your personal finances, what makes you think you can maintain a business finance on top of your personal finances? Mm. Um, and so that's why I've really been vocal about getting your personal finances, building that savings because it gives you that FU money. It gives you that money to be able to really do what you see in your head and bring it to life with the people that you want to bring it to life with. And so that's the most exciting part. But I like to not sugarcoat things for people like this is hard. Or right, it was easy. Everyone would do it. Everyone would quit, and everyone would have a business. But it's not. And so I also remedy that with saying that you don't have to do it. Entrepreneurship actually isn't the answer for a lot of people. I've watched a lot of people launch an entrepreneurship as like this answer to like leaving corporate and actually end up going back because it just wasn't for them. And that's totally okay. Like aside from what you're gonna hear on your scroll, like people saying you got to make this, you know, you got to build a business, you got to make an impact. That's not for everyone. Like I mentioned, like it's okay to have a job that meets your ideal needs and is working for you. Like that's totally fine. So I always temperament that message, especially when I talk to the youth. Like some of you want to build businesses, great, but don't shame the people who don't because mm -hmm. that's just not being a good person. And like the end of the day, like you need to be a good person. Yeah. <laughs> first and foremost. No, that's facts. 
And uh, to, to kind of go into more, more of the entrepreneur stuff, like I want to speak to maybe your experiences specifically as a mm. black male mm. in that space. What do you think have been your unique uh, challenges or experiences just because of what you look like? Yeah, um, I will say that in the beginning, it was being vastly underestimated um, in the work I was doing and the impact I was making in these startups, mainly I'll start there. That's kind of where I felt a lot of friction and what's kind of pushed me into entrepreneurship was like, I'm doing double work because I'm doing work and then I'm convincing people that my work is impactful because they don't necessarily think that it is because of how I look, because there are these intrinsic biases that just exist. When people look like me and you and walk into a room and speak the way we speak, it's shocking for a lot of people. A lot of people haven't had that interaction before. So automatically, your room is distracted. And so it's learning how to get to it's It's learning how to find this balance of not caring about that, but also mm. not being naive to the fact that that might factor into some decisions mm. and being okay with those decisions. Because ultimately, if they don't align, they don't align. And you're going to find people who align. So that's like more like a negative side. On the positive side, though, I've been in a lot of rooms where it's you and I, and we're like having that Spider-Man moment of like, hey, like you and I, like, let's do this together. And I've had so many of those. And I, that's why I have a black owned business with two black business partners. Like that was a really great moment of like, I see you, you see me, like, like, like let's, let's do this. Right. And so that's like the fun side of it. But yeah, there's definitely... Um, this other side, also just a small thing for my social media people out there, like the algorithm looks at us a little bit different, mm. like go take a scroll later and take account of what you see. So that is something else that's a little bit on the strategic side. Like as we think about content and when I think about my own media company, getting a diversity of faces is important. Uh, not only just black faces, but also white, Asian, Mexican faces as well to have that representation out there. But uh, that, that maybe we say for a one-on-one -on -one another time, but that's something that absolutely factors mm -hmm. into my marketing and my strategies as well. It shouldn't, but that's the reality. Absolutely. And, uh, let, let's talk a little specifically about like finances, like in terms of like the one to two steps people yeah. can take to maybe start building that positive momentum, right? As we've talked about, it can be very over yeah. overwhelming for a lot of people. I yeah. think uh, for, for a lot of black people, again, like it could feel really uh, overwhelming just because of you know, our different experiences and, and whatnot. Uh, what, what are the one to two things that you teach or uh, that you feel are, are kind of maybe necessary or, or helpful in terms of building that momentum that maybe uh, don't feel like so overwhelming? overbearing for people like they feel like okay like i can i can actually do this like like what are those one to two things in your experience before i get to the one to two things i'm going to start with a sub point and it's going to go in one ear and out the other probably for a lot of people but show yourself a lot of grace like this financial system is rigged so it's not all your fault your financial situation is not your fault it's hard for people to really feel that because they're like i'm the one making the purchases i'm the one it's not your fault so just be really mindful of that my first tip is pay yourself first, always. I remember when I was making $500 a week and I remember the first time I said, you know what? When this paycheck comes in, I'm putting $50 in the savings account. I don't care what bills are due. I don't care what things look like. I'm paying myself first. I'm putting in a savings account. And what that did for me is it spurred a little bit of that competition in my head. It's like, okay, 
first off, uh, we'll get to my second point, which is, you know, really modern moderating your debt, but also budgeting. But when I started to do these things, I started to learn like making very little amount of money actually starts to cost you money in the long run because your debt actually costs money, right? So if you're making, you know, 2000 a month, like I was, and your overhead is $3,000, you're losing a thousand dollars a month. So people don't really think about it like that. So really look at how much you need to live and start to make the necessary changes, networking, skill building, applying for jobs that will pay you what you need to be paid. So first off, pay yourself first. And where I was going with the competition side is like, I'm a D1 athlete. I'm an ex-D1 athlete. So when I started at 50 bucks, I was like, how do I save a thousand a month? How do I save 5,000 a month? How do I get to those big lump sums that I want to get to? And it's it's, it's a decade long journey. So again, show yourself a lot of grace. Like it's not going to happen tomorrow. And if it does, great, like fantastic. But that would be my first tip is pay yourself first. And then it's kind of a split between budgeting for people who don't have really good awareness in terms of like where their money's going or what they're spending on. Budgeting is not an activity that's meant to restrict you or tell you what to do with your money. It's meant to show you your flow of energy. Where are you putting your energy? Money is energy. That is a huge disconnect that I see for a lot of people. Like money is energy. There's a reason why people who have a lot of money seem to be everywhere, seems to like they have a lot of energy because they have that for themselves. So by budgeting, you're mm-hmm. able to pay yourself more, which in, in, within that step is start to build that emergency fund. Start to think about how do I get a backlog of money so that when those emergencies happen, I'm not dipping into my, you know, I'm not dipping into debt to pay for these things. But again, for my young folks out there, like this shit takes time. I know it's frustrating. I know it feels like it's impossible, but take it from a millennial who's been through now three recessions and multiple economic meltdowns. Like if you can just start your systems, like think about it like a car. You can just start these engines. Mm -hmm. They will eventually upgrade and get going quicker and quicker and quicker and it'll be easier and easier. But at first it's going to feel really uncomfortable. So pay yourself first, budget use that budget as a means to build up an emergency fund and start to tackle your debt. Yep. And that's kind of that, that momentum, that energy, as you talk about, like the, those yeah. mega rich people, whatever that, that we see, like if yeah. they've had these systems in place that yeah. enabled them to eventually get to a point where, where it kind of starts to compound. Right. And it, it just, uh, like, like we mentioned, even I, I, you know, um, when I think about even like my future kids, like, giving them a nest egg when they start, right? Like a lot of us didn't have that. I didn't have that. You know, like my parents paid for school. My parents did a lot for me and I'm really grateful for it. But there's just a lot of things they didn't know, you know? And that's kind of what I, the gap I'm trying to, to mend is to your point, like some people get a really big head start. I went to private schools at the end of my schooling and I had classmates that when they graduated college got $100,000. Like, whoa, that's crazy. They came out with no debt. So that's when I go back to like the system's a little bit rigged and be really gracious. Like we're, we're having to overcome a lot more. So really, really being gentle on ourselves because the world's not going to be. So like we have to show ourselves that grace, but also take action. For sure. And, and Khalil, we, we've talked about your platform unstucked, but I, I wonder, do, do you feel, are you unstuck? today or, or do you feel like maybe that's a kind of a constant process constant journey that you're on like it's maybe something yeah. that, that that never maybe ends how, like how do you maybe perceive the name of th- this platform that that you've created 
it's intentional that my platform is unstuck KD. Uh, it's something that will never end. It's a human condition. Being stuck is just something we all feel, no matter if it's money, it's family, if it's ourselves, right? Like this is a constant state of friction. That's just what it is to be a human. What I'm really trying to help people with is equip them with the skills to, to deal with that spiral staircase of meeting those obstacles and challenges over and over again, right? But getting better at how we respond to them, getting better at how we solve them, getting better at how we speak to ourselves while we're solving them. So to answer your question, which is a wonderful question and one that I talk about a lot is like, it is a little bit of a constant, like there really isn't going to be a day or I should say there isn't going to be a year where you wake up and you never have an issue or you never feel stuck or you never yeah. feel conflicted or you never feel overwhelmed or you never feel like you're an imposter. Like the whole point is to get better at, okay, when I wake up and don't feel great, here are my systems to, you know, brave through. But again, sometimes you got to feel through it. And that's why we're here as a community to help you do that. Where do you want to take Unstucked? Like, wh where do you see it being in maybe five, 10 years? What, what's kind of that vision yeah. that you have for your platform? Yeah, I appreciate that question. It's really a community at the end of the day. Um, so really getting a bigger audience, continuing to grow the audience right now, we're at about 50,000 people. Um, so trying to get that audience to be bigger, but using what I'm learning here and using it as synergy for the startup one-on-one -on -one, our habit forming app to really teach people how habits impact that feeling of feeling stuck. So starting to like bridge those two things together and getting it into technology so that we can use tech to our advantage to start to rebuild our habits so that we have technology to work with us and for us, not against us. And so um, that's really what I see the vision. Obviously, being a top recognized podcast, being a, a household name, like these are the goals that I have. Uh, but at the end of the day, the biggest one is making big impact and big impact means reaching millions of households. And, and that's my goal. That's awesome. Khalil, where can people find you on, on social media and how can they tap into Unstuck yeah. and everything you're doing with that platform? You can find us on pretty much any social platform, but primarily TikTok and Instagram at Unstuck. It's Unstuck KD. So there's two Ks mm -hmm. there. Um, you can go to unstuck.com uh, and also download the one-on-one -on -one app on the Apple Store. We're working on getting it in Google Play, but right now we're only in the iOS Store. Awesome. Well, for all you listening, all that will, will be in, in the show notes as well. So be sure to tap in uh, with my guy. But final question for you, Khalil, and, and yeah. thank you so much for your time. I know you got a lot going on, um, but th this is kind of a big question. Uh, but yeah. what does black success mean to you? Ooh, that's good. Black success. I'll take I'll tell you just a short story. I will always remember being 13, watching Barack Obama accept the nomination for president. Um, black success to me looks like a community of black folks lifting each other up like we're doing on this show. Um, it's really easy to think about black success and money. Uh, you know, we all have those aspirations, but at the end of the day, it's continuing to strengthen our community to help one another, uh, be more joyous, uh, but also build generational excellence. So that's what black success means to me. Awesome. Love it. Appreciate all you guys uh, for listening. Thank you to, to the guests, Khalil Dumas. Be sure to, to check him out, subscribe to the show on YouTube, and you could find uh, pinnacle code on across all social platforms until next week. See you guys soon. All right. Peace out. Thanks for having me.